But when someone is ringing you and when someone's rocking up on your door, that means that, you know, it opens up a space where they're not alone. Because a lot of people don't have the energy to go and meet, to go into a group or to go and see a therapist. G'day, g'day. Welcome to another episode of Not So Secret Dad's Business. Today on the show, I have uh, a really interesting guy. His name is Joey Bussatil, and he is the administrator, owner, creator of Secret Men's Business. How are you, Joey? Good, mate. How are you? It's like we're, we're cousins, isn't it? You're doing the Secret Dad's Business, and I'm doing the Secret Men's Business, and it's a synchronicity. That's right, mate. I mean, that's one of the things that jumped out at me when we first started corresponding with each other to, to line this, this thing up was that you're doing your thing. And it's kind of very similar with the, with the idea by the sounds of it. Yeah. Do you, look, the funny thing is, do you find that people think that you're talking about business? Um, I haven't, do you know what I mean? like, I, I yeah. haven't reached that one yet. Um, but I do. Yeah. People, 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 yeah. People, People think that I'm a business podcast. So they talk to me about how do I make money? How do I invest in property? I'm going, ah, no, it's about mental health. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, let's get into that. Tell me a, bit, a little bit about what you do with your show and, and the idea behind it, the motivation behind it. Okay. Um, so it sort of started on the very first day of lockdown in Melbourne last year. I, I had, look, I lost three friends to suicide in the same week. Right. So three of my good friends died in the same week in 2014. The funny part of that was that I was the last person to see all three of them. So I ended up going into this like, oh, my God, like, what did I miss? Did I do something wrong? And so I'm a therapist. And at that time, I decided to create a, a group of for men called The Secret Men's Business. But nothing happened. Mm-hmm. I probably had about 32 members. I didn't really post that much. I think it was just a way for me to deal with what happened with my mates. Mm-hmm. Then jump forward to 2020. I then thought, oh, look, we're going into lockdown. I'm going to, let's just bring this back up. And I was overwhelmed with how it went from 32 people to 3,000 people really quickly, right? Now, I think the reason for that is because I... I'm a strong believer that with lockdowns and with COVID, there's two ways to be. And one is you become a victim, mm-hmm. which means that you think that there's a problem. And the other way is you become adaptable, mm-hmm. right? And you make whatever's happening around you happen. So I went with the adaptability and I think I jumped into the project headfirst. Yep. And I think that saved me from going crazy. And so I was able to utilize what I know to help guys um, around the world yeah that's awesome yeah that's a great idea it's a similar reason why i started this show as well uh yeah you know is is i was at home and i was going a little crazy myself i needed something to do you know i'm a recovering alcoholic and so like for and i think this is the same for a lot of people that the beginning of the the first lockdown i started drinking really really heavily to fill my time Wow. Okay. Uh, because I had nothing else to do, you know, uh, and so doing doing this show, it's it's giving me something to do, and it's opened up a lot of really cool conversations. Yeah, yeah. Like I found that I've never been, I've never felt alone. You know, when you've got three thousand men talking to you every day, you don't have time to be alone. And if I can just go back to your question about, because let's remember something. So, yes, the lockdown helped, but what really got this started was, do you remember back in January 2020 how that famous footballer or rugby player from from Brisbane, how he burned his, his wife and children in the car? Do you remember that story? Oh, I think I missed that one. Yes, it was a big news story. Like, so they got divorced, separated, and he couldn't cope. And so rather than accepting that, he actually decided to kill his family. And so when I saw that, I posted something online and I was really shocked that I got attacked by a lot of men saying that I wasn't supporting the guy. And that really shocked me. Yeah. Like, so they were sort of saying, no, hold on a second. You know, it's the wife's fault because she did this, this and this. And I thought, wow. Okay. So there's 
something that we as men aren't doing. And that was the, the sort of the, the foundation of secret men's business being we're all about self acceptance, mm-hmm. which means that you need to take responsibility for your own life. And that has to only come through vulnerability. Yes. And I think the old school way of doing things for men was not to be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. We sort of had, we have a history of blaming, mm-hmm. right? Which is what that was going on about. Like, you know, none of his mates pulled that guy up and said, you know what? She doesn't want to be with you. Just let's find a way for you to cope with that. Or yep. they sort of like dismissed it. And then at the end of all that, he burned them. He killed them. Right. Which is devastating. So yeah. So we really work on vulnerability and we're very strict with that. If we find that people in our group judge another person, then we kindly ask them to leave Yep. because we have to learn to accept what men do and not look at them, look down at them and think that what they're doing is wrong because we wouldn't do that. Yep. And I'm not sure I'm sure dads would experience that too. You know, like there would be ways of parenting and ways that dads cope with stuff and other people want to tell them what to do, which could be really stressful. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. It's, it's almost, um, and this is something I've learned recently going through, uh, the programs that I have been is that, you can, you've, you've got to identify. You can't compare because not everybody's in, in the same position as you. Exactly. And it takes courage. That's the thing that I think is the big one for us guys is that it, a lot of, you know, remember historically we've been able to push everything down, right? Mm-hmm. So if I don't want to face my emotions, I find a way to push it down. And now you mentioned drinking. Like that is one way. Anything addictive is a way of pushing it down. Yep. But really all that's doing is stopping us from doing the work. That's now, right. here we are at a crossroad in life. Coronavirus could be the reason, I don't know, but really a crossroad where everyone in the world is going through a similar thing. Mm-hmm. So again, I'm going to go back to what I said earlier. We can either be victims, right, and complain. And I'm going to just make a joke. That's the toilet paper people. You yes. know, the ones that go, the, that go to the supermarket and buy all the toilet paper? Or you can adapt. And when you look around, you can see all the people that are adapting. They're using this virus or this lockdown to make get a new job or to find a new way to be with their kids or to mm-hmm. find a way to connect with their wives, whatever. So that's adaptability. Yep. And I think that we've struggled with that. I think it's been easy for a long time for men just to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. It's just as simple as something as the way we view women. Yes. Right. It's been, you know, I'm Maltese, right? So I know that when my mum used to go into the kitchen, we weren't allowed to go in there as men. Right. Yep, Mum would yep. do everything. Right. Mm-hmm. Now, here I am, a 50 something year old man, and I still have that mentality. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's a long thing that we have to unpeel away, isn't it? Because we've got all these things that we think that are normal. And I don't know if that's entitlement or if that's just a struggle, but we do have to let go of some of those beliefs. And that's the work. That's right. That's right. I mean, some things I think sometimes you've got to unlearn in order to grow. Um, and you know, it's it it's not just to the way we view women or or anything like that. It comes down to a lot of social issues out there, like racism, sexism, um, ableism, uh, that that sort of thing. You know, because because mm. without ha- unlearning those those bad, um, well, not bad, but un- unlearning those uh, old old habits and stuff like that, those old views, you can't really grow and, and adapt. Because you've yeah. got that thing holding you back in your old habits. Yeah, and that's where that's why vulnerability is important. Yeah, if you're yeah, not definitely. if you're not vulnerable, vulnerability means that you can see that you're doing something wrong. Yeah. And again, it's hard when we've been trained right. In a way, I'm going to say brainwashed. We've been brainwashed to believe that we're entitled. Mm-hmm. You know, if you think about you know think about when you were little. And one, some of the common things that we were told when you cried at, say, four years old, you were told to not cry Yeah. as a yep. man, right, as a boy. Don't cry. Boys don't do that. Don't play with that. Don't do this. Don't do that. Mm-hmm. And so then fast forward to getting into an adult, you find that there is no permissiveness. We don't, you know, even as men, we would, as much as we don't want to admit this, but we would look at me, other men as being weak if yeah. they were to be vulnerable, right? And that's what has to change. And the funny thing is, is when you host something like you're hosting your platform, you don't mean to, but you see the people, the men that aren't comfortable. Like I can see it so clearly, like these men are really uncomfortable Mm -hmm. and that's okay because I think that 
everything in life, right, is a flag, meaning there's a warning. So, okay, we're going through something right now, red flag. Some people notice that, some people ignore it. Yep. But eventually, everyone has to go through it. Mm-hmm. Yep, you know what yep. I mean? Now, historically, for men, a lot of it comes down to when they were about to die. So, you know, men will become more emotional if they're hard when they were about to die. So they might tell their sons that they love them, hypothetically, right? Instead of telling them today, right? So yeah. we, what we're trying to do with the platform is we don't want that to be the case anymore. We don't want to wait till we're going to die. We want to be able to turn around and tell our mates, our family, our sons, our daughters that we love them. And that's that's the challenge. Some people just find it hard. I don't know why, but what do you think? Why do you think they find it hard? Um, You know what? I think it comes back to the word vulnerability, right? And this is one thing that I've been sort of trying to reframe myself because uh, like you just mentioned a, a, a couple of minutes ago was that, you know, that men see vulnerability as weakness, and so maybe we need to stop using the word vulnerable and start using authentic, right? If we're yeah. authentic to ourselves and honest to ourselves, that's when it starts coming out. And maybe then yeah. maybe it won't be seen so much as a weakness. Yeah. But well, I, I'm going ch- uh, yeah, to I'm, I'm challenge just, every, I mean, it's really important to add this little bit, right? And yep. I think, see, this is the thing, is that we always, we've been brainwashed again to think that the only thing that we can connect with has to be ideal, mm-hmm. right? So I understand that. It's everywhere. We look at advertising and movies. Everything's ideal. But what happens when things aren't ideal, right? So the word vulnerable has to be accepted. It can't, we yep. can't just try and change it all the time. Mm-hmm. So when I think of things, I always think of a whole, right? There needs to be a whole. And if this is the part of me that's vulnerable and this is the part of me that's confident, when they come together, there's no problem. Mm-hmm. So really what we have to learn to do is accept everything we have to learn to accept things and i know it's hard because we've been told i can't be anxious let's put that away or i can't be this let's put it away i can't be seen as weak let's put that away but guess what you are those things yes you're an anxious weak man so when someone can say that out loud and then say but i'm also strong the problem goes away Mm -hmm. so that to me is the problem that's what really is self-acceptance is about is Understanding that being vulnerable is a word that people trigger, get triggered, like you said. Yep. But that's the beauty of healing. You have to get triggered to yes. know that there's a problem. Unless if you don't, you're going to try and change it and then you're going to try and bury it. And now that part of you that's vulnerable, that doesn't like that word, it's going to be, it's still there. Mm-hmm. And it's actually really pissed off now because you don't like it. So it's going to try everything in its power to get your attention. Yep, yep, yep. So it it comes and bites you, right? And they're the things I talked about with the flags. Every day, we I think we're getting told, what can I do to be a better man? And we have to listen now. Mm-hmm. We can't just pretend and be stoic and be tough like our grandparents were. Yep. We have to start listening because nothing will change if we don't listen. No, that's right. And I mean, with with today's social climate, it's completely different to what it was 50 years ago. You know, years ago. And so we need, we need to, to adapt and and through that adaptability we, we grow, um, you know, because we can't, for lack of a better term, we can't repeat the sins of the father because it is a totally different, totally different social climate that we're in. Yeah. It doesn't work anymore. Yeah. And that's where it gets interesting to ask the question of each person listening. And that is how much of my dad's behavior have I inherited as much as I've said out loud, I don't want to be my father, which a lot of men say. Yes. If you take a moment to actually just look, you'll be surprised how much of that you've inherited. Mm-hmm. You yeah, know what I mean? Right. So so it's interesting when you say, I don't want to yell at my kids because my dad yelled at me. Or I don't want to be a dad that doesn't invite you know opportunity like my dad did. But when you look at your behavior like properly, there are tiny little bits that you've brought along. And that's where the awareness is about. You know, it's about accepting that, right? Because you have to accept all of you, not just a little bit part of you. And I think this that 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 all gets linked to one important thing, and that is we have to stop having expectations. Okay. Right? We can't expect everything to always be perfect. That's the problem, right? Because remember, when we look at TV and movies, and that's the thing that we get a lot of our ideas from, there is always a perfection. Like, you know, when we look at magazines or social media, everything's perfect. So then we get 
something inside of our brain goes, I'm not good enough because I'm not like that person yep. or that father or that group. Why are they doing that and I can't do that? Why is it that I can't cope and they can cope? That's really the, the, the essence of it. We have to learn to find ourselves not to expect to be like someone else because expectation always leads to disappointment, which That's goes right. back to that good and bad thing. What I use, I've replaced that word, those words, good and bad. I've replaced it with the word interesting. Okay. Isn't it interesting that when I pay attention to my kids, I'm more present? Isn't it interesting that when, I, when I'm when i consumed with my work, I, my kids miss out? When you listen to, that, listen to those statements, there's no, I'm not beating myself up. Yeah. Yep. Right. Remember that's self-acceptance is about really understanding what you're living through, not because when you beat yourself up, you know, if you don't mind me saying like you were saying earlier with the drinking, when you feel like you're beating yourself up, you turn to something that stops you from doing the work. That's right. That's right. right? So we, we want to be present to the situation where we don't get distracted. So then we find a solution and we can move forward. But a lot of times men don't do that. And I don't know if that's a historical thing or it's just, it just it makes us survive. It could be a survival thing too. Yeah, I think it, it could be a survival thing. And that's maybe that comes through the non-acceptance maybe, you know, um, because again, it comes back to the, 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 the comparing sort of thing. Like you, you, you're always going to feel inadequate if you're comparing yourself to that guy on the cover of the magazine, men's health magazine, six pack. Yeah. Or, um, but also, but also comparing yourself to the tribe that you align yourself with. So, if you're say a farmer and you're living in the country, you're going to have an energy that is, you know, just depicted by the energy of those men. So it's hard to be different. You know, yeah. if you're with a group of guys that have elements of racism, sometimes you get caught up in that, right? If yeah. it's acceptable for men to be you know, after work to let off steam, they go to a strip joint and they have beers and they smoke cigars and they objectify women, that it becomes hard to step away from that. So I'm not saying any of those things are wrong or right. All I'm saying is it's we need to pay attention in regards to what we're doing. Yep. Right? We need to pay we can't expect the world to change when we then continue doing what we're doing. That's right. Because it's twenty twenty one and women are equal to men. And the, when we talk about being a father, it doesn't mean that you just go to work and you just come home and do the work then. It means that you're a father 24 hours a day. A woman is no different just because she gave birth to the child. Yeah, that's right. That's right. But we sometimes think that, that, that that's, that's a society thing, isn't it? That's society right. tells us that women look after the kid and then we don't even realise we're doing it. No, that's right. And, I mean, look, a big, big one that jumped out at me that sort of helped me sort of... Um, you know, pull my head out of my ass and and accept that was the fact that, you know, my wife or my partner, she she works full time as well, you know, and I for a long time had this thought in my head that because I'm the man, I'm meant to be the main breadwinner, and it all it was that was all counting on my ego. That was my ego talking to me, you know. Mm. Um, whereas now we're in a position where. Yeah, we both work full time, but my, my partner earns $20,000 a year more than I do. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't take away from my masculinity. It doesn't take away from my role in the household at all. It yeah. just means that we've got more, more money coming in. <laughs> we can, yeah. we can pay the bills. We can do those family outings a little more yeah. easier. We can, you know, when we're not in lockdown anyway. <laughs> um, you know, we can treat our son to those those days to go out bowling or go for a, a beach day or, or something like that. You know, yeah. it doesn't take away from who I am. Yeah, whatsoever. I mean, like, you, and, and it sounds like you you understand that money is money. Money's money. At the end, of money's the day, money, right? One but, household, we have one set of bills and two incomes. So yeah. what's it matter? So can I ask, do you mind if I ask you, so did you, when your son came around along, did you notice that you, did you slip into that role of being equal or did you feel that there was a bit of a blueprint in you that in regards to how that child was going to be looked after? Like well, we, was a society, you know what I mean? Equal, you know, I mean, at first with, with my partner being on maternity leave, I was at work. So I kind of had, you know, still my ego at me going, yeah, you're the man, you know, you're at work, she's at home with the baby doing mum stuff and, and that sort of thing. 
But then once she she was back at work, that's where it's yeah, it it became an equal playing field again. Yeah. So did it hit you? Did it hit because you know again? I'm not saying you think that, but I think a lot of guys may think this is that. Unfortunately, a lot of guys think that what when the mother is at home, it's they think it's easy. Do you know what I mean? They think oh she's a. It's not easy, is it? Not easy. Look, I've done it myself, and and again, it's uh, I've had those sick days off to to be with my son when he's sick, you know, for the pure fact that it's it's cheaper for me to mm. take time off work than it is for my partner. But being at home with a sick child and being there looking after him, making sure that the house is running during the day still, um, you know, it may not do happen like that during the day normally, but I'm still there having to look after him, you know, wipe up the snotty noses, make sure that he's fed and that sort of thing. And it's a lot of work. You're, it's exhausting. It's just as much work as, it, in fact, going to work feels like somewhat of a vacation the next day. I know. Yeah, I was going to say, like, you know, when your wife was on maternity leave, you were actually getting a break from the baby crying and all those things. And, right. you know, I think that that's slowly changing. And I I mean, the interesting thing is, is that I do couples counselling and a lot of the one of the biggest issues that comes up is when a couple who've got kids already... They, then the wife wants to have another kid, mm-hmm. right? And we're talking about a few years later and the husband is in shock, <laughs> you know, because he knows what it, you know, oh my God, we have, we've just been through it twice. Do we have to do it again? Yeah. Well, the mother's maternal and the husband's going, no. <laughs> so there's this conflict in regards to how do we navigate having another child with our lifestyle, with money, with us as a couple yep. and... You know, I think once upon a time, the men would just say no, mm-hmm. and that could cause a separation. But I think nowadays, men and the, both parties are being more open to talking about it honestly, you know, yeah. because it is a lot tougher. Yeah, definitely. You know, it's not like when I, you know, I remember my mum never worked. You know, she was always yeah. a stay-at-home mum, and we, I know my mum and dad had three kids in a row, which I don't know how they did it, to be honest. Like, literally, once she gave birth, she was pregnant again. It just yep. was bang, bang, bang. But the thing, I think the reason why that worked is because mum never worked. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Right? But nowadays, there really isn't many households that only have one person working. I think both people are working in some capacity. And the hard part is how do we navigate the, the, the what you were saying about the, the, the domestic part of it? You know, how do men, a lot of men still, unfortunately, don't see, um, don't see that. Like, one of my best friends, her husband will come home from work and he'll just go for a surf. (laughs) And his wife's been sitting there waiting all day for him to come home so she could have a bit of a breather. And he'll just go for a surf. And she'd bring me up crying. And I'd say, look, you have to, you have to talk. You have to tell him what you're feeling. You can't, otherwise, when you don't say nothing, you're giving him permission to go surfing. That's right. Right? He doesn't understand what you've gone through because he's never probably, he's never stayed home and actually had to look after the child and the house and all that, which I think is a a thing that most men haven't experienced properly. No, that's right. And look, I mean, my my parents were kind of like the same. I mean, I'm the oldest of five. And my father, he he was raised really old-fashioned, you know. He was born in 53, grew up on the farm in New Zealand. And so... He grew up being a real man's man and, the, you know, the man goes to work and the woman stays at home and she's barefoot, pregnant, in the kitchen 24-7. And, and so I grew up with that sort of perception as well. Um, and now being in my relationship with my partner and, and having our son together, we can't afford to uh, only have one of us work. It's just not economically viable. And so that's something I've had to learn that, yeah, we're both working. That's 50-50 there. So that means that when we come home and it comes to the household duties, it has to be 50-50 there as well. Yeah, yeah. Can I ask you, um, have you had the talk about another child? We have. Yeah, we, yeah, we have. We, we've been trying to have, a, have a ch- another child, actually. Um, yeah. So my son isn't biologically mine. We, we okay. met when she was about four months pregnant. And I've just taken him on, his, uh, him on as my own. That's um, amazing. And so, thank you. Um, we're trying to have another child and we've talked about it. And we'd love to do it. If it happens, it happens. You know, that would yeah. be awesome. But do you think that if it does... 
Sorry. Yeah, I was going to say, do you think that if you were to have one, do you think that that would be a different perspective for you because it's your child? Do you know what I mean? Like, you've got this great part of you that is being the child, the father of this child that you weren't the father of. But, you know, so what I was saying earlier about men getting nervous about having more children, do you think that you might not have that because it's going to be the first time for you that, that you're going to biologically be a dad? Yeah, I don't know. I have thought about that. And, you know, it's... It's been a little scary, I guess, because I've thought, well, um, if I have a child of my own, am I going to see them differently? Am I going to treat them differently? Am I going to, you know, just, I don't know, like parent differently? I don't know. Mm. And, and well, I don't want to have those differences because they're both my children. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. I guess you, the difference with you is that your your wife was pregnant, so you were there for the birth, weren't you? Yes, I was, yeah. So that to me, psychologically, you know, really, you can, you know, you, it, it's easier, I think, I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it's easier for you, I guess, to, to, to connect with that child because you were there versus, say, if you walked in to that relationship and the child was already born. That's right. That's right. Yes. You know, it's interesting, isn't it? Like, you know, and it's also is pretty amazing that you met someone four months pregnant and you just allowed yourself that, you know, how did you like, what did you do, what did you do to do that? Just the love part took over? That's it. I mean, look, again, I'm the oldest of five. I grew up in the church. And so for some reason, kids were always attracted to me. The, it, I'd be in the, the Sunday school and the kids would just want to play with me or I'd ha you know, be looking after somebody else's baby while they're doing the passing the communion plate around or something. Um, I've been in relationships previously where they've had children that are in school. And I've just naturally stepped in and, and you know, helped them with getting breakfast and going to school and that sort of thing. So I didn't see it really as anything different, I guess, as just yeah, yeah. another child. Yeah, um, I mean, it's, it's really nice that you say that, but I do, I mean, like, <laughs> I, I always try and think, try and be not connected to my work, but it always comes back. It's like, I just think that you have that inbuilt in you because not every man has that. No, it, you know, not every yeah, man has came, that ability. Really naturally, yeah, it seems like you just, you know, you're a good person, and you didn't judge or see the your partner. You know, a lot of guys, and again, I'm not saying this to bring bring anyone down. It's just that a lot of guys would hear of that situation, and their own value system would say, mm, "I can't do that, mm -hmm. right? I yep. can't be the father of someone else's baby." Where you didn't have that, you just saw the love, you just saw the truth, you didn't see. You know, you saw the situation. So, you know, you because you could have easily have walked away, but you didn't. No, that's right. And I've seen it a lot in, um, especially like the dad's groups on Facebook and that sort of thing, is that, you know, they go, oh, well, you know, how would you feel if you're in this relationship? And, and then, hell no, I ain't looking after some other man's baby and, and this sort of thing. Like, I want my own children. And I don't see any real difference in that to myself. myself. Yeah. Like, every child needs to be loved, needs to be nurtured, and yeah. needs someone in their corner to bat for them. And, yeah. and if it's not... And, I'm, and, that's what, that's, that, and that's what I mean by the word, that's what adaptability is. Do you know what I mean? That's what adaptability is. Because another interesting thing that I notice, and again, when I say these stories, I'm only just using what I learned from my own therapy classes, uh, groups, okay? So I just, yep. I'm sharing what, I'm, what I've experienced with clients, is that a lot of couples will separate when there is a miscarriage, Right. Or if a child dies yep. or if a child is born with a disability. Mm -hmm. Right. So, again, it's really interesting how in that moment, before that moment, they're excited. And then in that once the, the trauma occurs, some couples can adapt, yeah. like, you know, in your situation and you just get on with it. Well, other couples can't cope. You know, some people can't cope with having a disabled child. Yeah. Because it means that their whole lifestyle has to change. That's right. Or some couples can't cope when there's a miscarriage when, say, for example, the uh, one of my clients, the wife went into major depression and the husband didn't know what to do. Mm -hmm. So he ended up having an affair, right? And yep, so yep. it's interesting how people can see different things differently. And at the end of the day, we can only really take ownership for things through our values. We have to go into our own values and ask ourselves is this right or wrong, right? And there yeah. is, you know, really there's no right or wrong except for that person. No, that's if right. that person believes that it's the right thing to do to leave, then that's the right thing for them and really no one can judge them. 
because it really is the right thing for them because they may not necessarily have the skills or the tools to actually cope in that situation. That's exactly right. Exactly right. And look, I've been in a similar situation where uh, my ex-wife and I, you know, we, we spent five years trying to conceive. And after four years, we started fertility treatment. And for me, it was once having to start that, it was like, well, it's not meant to be this hard. You know, and I was pissed off about it, pissed off at the world, pissed off the the whole thing, you know. And so I checked out and started drinking a lot. I was smoking a lot of cannabis and and destroyed the relationship. And so I think maybe I'm I'm lucky. I've I've sort of encountered that myself. I've learned from it and been able to adapt. Yeah. So you think that you were self sabotaging? Do you think that because you said that you were check you checked out? Do you think that that was your way? Of, instead of saying at the time, I can't cope with this, I need to leave, you found a way to make there a more solid reason why you had to leave. That's right. That's exactly yeah. right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, you know, I didn't want to look like an asshole, I guess, uh, yeah. by going, no, nah, I can't have a child with you, so this is it. You know, it wasn't, mm. and, and that wasn't the sole, sole issue. There were other issues there. You know, um, we were already having problems before we even got married, you know, so... There were lots of different things there, but I guess it it meant that we had to sit down and have that talk. And she went, "I'm, I don't want to do this, you know." And I was like, "Good, neither do I. Let's let's split." <laughs> but yeah. of course, because I checked out, she had also found comfort in another man as well. And so yeah. we had our own reasons for for ending the relationship. Yeah. Right? Do you think that if you went back in time, that you would have now that you know what you know? Do you think that you would have maybe? said that statement earlier yeah you know yeah, what i mean like definitely. you know you said you even you said before that you knew before you even got married yeah so why did you not listen to that before? why did you go ahead with getting married if you knew something was like in your gut was saying this is not right again i, <laughs> I think it was, it was it was all about pleasing other people yeah and and getting other people's approval doing what other uh, what i felt other people expected from me uh okay. so you know even on my wedding day i was <laughs> I was drunk before I even made it to the altar, yeah. which I'm certainly not proud of. Um, and so that was a red flag right there. I had to be drunk in order for the marriage or the wedding to go through. But also, you know, I had my father, the the celebrant and my best man going, hey, man, this is just cold feet. Like, you've got to do this. And I'm like, I can't do it. I can't do it. But then I went through with it because I had half my family had flown from the eastern states to Perth to attend the yeah. wedding and I'd forked out over $9,000, $10,000 for, for a big party and all that. And I didn't want to just piss that away. And something inside me as well was scared that, you know, as much as I didn't want to get married, I still loved this woman in, in, in mm. some, some capacity and I didn't want to hurt her. So I still yeah. scared with it. But mm. then, yeah, after that, you know, six months later, we start, so six months after we're married, we start fertility treatment, and that's when I check out. That seemed to be like the, the straw that broke the camel's back. Yeah. Uh, so now, like, because what I'm hearing there for everyone listening is, you know, it's important, and thank you, I guess it's good to be vulnerable and to share these things, and I'm sure you've told that story maybe before. It's really about being self-accepting, because what we want people to do is we want them to accept everything in the moment. So really, in essence, your lesson there is, Next time that you're facing with something that you don't want to do, you just say no. Yeah. Right? You don't, you know, I think this is important for all men is that we have to be brave, even though you forked out all that money and your family came across. I get it. It's like, but it's not your fault. Because if you just please everyone, then you're going, it's already setting yourself up to fail. That's right. You know, because you're not going to be able to, unless there's a miracle, of course. (laughs) No, that's right. And one thing I have learned is that you've got to take care of number one first. Because if you're busy trying to please everybody else, you you yourself you end up unhappy because you're not pleasing yourself you know you're not you're not doing the things that bring you joy yes and then see for you that there was a hole in your heart or your values right and so how did you fill that hole with alcohol that's right right so remember whenever we're looking for something external you know and your ex-wife she filled that hole by meeting someone else mm-hmm. right now at the end of the day that's happened, right? But really, this is the whole thing about the secret men's business is that we have to learn 
to fill that hole ourselves. Yeah. And as much as it sounds too wishy-washy and too lovey-dovey, but it's all about loving yourself. Yep. You know, if you don't love yourself and you go out and you meet someone, you are definitely going to meet someone that fills a hole that you've got. Now, that doesn't mean it's not going to work, but you need to be aware that that's going to set you up for problems in the future because we can't sustain someone or something filling that hole all the time. No, that's right. right? And if you can't that, love yourself, you can't love someone else. Yeah. And, you, and you're always going to look for something else. And that's the hard thing for men is that they have trouble understanding that concept. Right? So the footy club or the beers or the strip joints, whatever is that not, you know isn't good for you, if that fills you up, really that's a distraction from yes. doing it yourself. And how do you get yourself to be aware what you need to fill yourself up with? And that's the hard part because it means that you need to sit in that hole. That's right. Right? That's it's right. hard to sit in that hole. Right. So, you know, for you, how did you do that? How did you learn to sit in the hole so you could learn to not use alcohol as a way to fill that gap? That's something I'm still trying. Um, I'm still learning. And um, but for, for me, I guess it was just I had to I had to let go of all these expectations of myself to make other people happy. Yes. You know, um, a big part of of my life was gaining approval and doing acts of, like, acts of service for everybody else because if pe- if I did things for people and they liked me, that made me feel good, right? Yeah. So, yeah, so that was the hole being filled. But, see, you were avoiding the work, which was what is the hole? That's and right. the hole is I love myself. Now, you, the universe will give us these moments, right, and they get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. So I'm going to share something that hopefully people will resonate with. So I was avoiding my my hole, right? I was avoiding it. One day out of nowhere, I woke up. It was, I remember clearly it was 7.47. I woke up and I couldn't walk mm-hmm. overnight. I couldn't walk. Now, the universe was telling me, fucking, you're not going to, can I swear? Like, yeah, you can't. Go, swear as much as you yeah. want. So, you know, fuck, you, you're not listening to me, you, you know, Joe. You're not listening, you're not listening. So we're going to make you stop. We're going to make you stop and you have to listen. So one minute I'm this powerful, making lots of money person, and then all of a sudden I can't walk for 12 months and I'm in bed, mm-hmm. right? So that was a really traumatic experience, but that's how I learned to do all the stuff we're talking about. Now, I'm a real big advocate, and this is another reason why secret management is important to me. I don't want anyone to go through what I went through. Like, I don't want anyone to have to go through a crisis to realize, because that's what will happen. You know, a lot of times men will only understand, unfortunately I was one of them, what they have to do once they have a crisis. So I could either be a victim or I could learn to adapt because the doctors told me I'd never walk again. That's right. And I said, fuck that. And I did everything in my power to focus on loving me and I walked. Mm-hmm. Now, my coach at the time, he said to me, have you surrendered? I go, yeah. He goes, I don't think you have. I go, I have. He goes, have you admitted to yourself that you're disabled? I go, I'm not disabled. And he goes, but you are, Joe. I said, I'm not disabled. And I was really angry, right? And it took, it took about probably seven weeks of him telling me that. And then one day I go, okay, I need to admit I'm disabled. And I admitted it. And I felt like this pressure had just left my whole body. And two days later, I walked. Yeah, wow. Right? So it's just a really powerful example to show you that when we hold on to something and we continue to do the same thing over and over again and we don't go into ourselves and accept, then we will always struggle. But the biggest part of that is that the universe or whatever you want to call it will continually give us problems. And you know how people sometimes say, why do I have this bad luck? Why am I doing the same things over and over again, but they're bigger problems? Mm -hmm. I, that's, I believe that's why it's because we're not getting the lesson. Right. Yeah, and so we, if we don't get it, like in your case, with the drinking, right, you're learning more and more that drinking probably doesn't serve you. No, not at all. Yeah. And so each time that you go to have a drink, you've got to ask yourself, what am I not getting here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Why am I turning to alcohol rather than turning to myself? Yeah. And, you know, there's no right or wrong because it's our own journeys, but we will always continue to get those moments of, um, awareness and yep. i don't know if you know or the listeners know but the the name of that is the hero's journey so the hero's journey was a book written by joseph campbell 
And it's basically the blueprint for any movie that we watch. Mm-hmm. So think about Star Wars, right? Yep. So Luke Skywalker is was a nobody, but he knew that something was calling him, right? Yep. So he went on this journey and he met all these people along the way that called him to action. Yep. Until finally he meets Yoda, right? And Yoda and Obi-Wan Kenobi, they train him to connect with his purpose and that is to be, you know, the best that he yep. can be. All of us are on the hero's journey. Every single one of us. Yep. And so when we take notice of our lives, we have to take notice of what we're listening to and what we're not listening to. Having a baby to me would be the biggest, it's the, isn't it? It's the biggest amazing eye-opening experience in your life, I think. Oh, it certainly is. You know, and if you can either take that on, I've got this baby that I'm going to be the father of and I'm going to be able to mold and to help, or unfortunately some people ignore that. Yeah. Right? So everything is an opportunity to what we can learn. And when we go back to the old habits that distract us, the only person that's responsible for that is ourselves. And that's, I guess, another thing that's hard for men because they want to blame the situation. COVID is the problem. No, COVID's just a virus that is in our world at the moment. COVID doesn't make us do anything. We choose to do what we do. Do we buy toilet paper? (laughs) <laughs> or do we just accept that we'll get, we'll find it, it'll be, okay, we're okay, right? Yep. It, you know, do we go, do we go get vaccinated or do we not get vaccinated? Do we go to protest? Do we, all, everything is our own choice. It's got That's nothing right. to do with what's happening outside. I don't know, like, like sometimes I get too excited. No, no, <laughs> I get excited, right. you know, but do you agree or how do you feel about it? No, I totally agree with you. Uh, I agree with you there because, I mean, um, you know, we we get stuck in this this loop, this cycle of of masking things, right? And so for me, you know, alcohol was was that mask, right? Um, and that the the whole was resentment. You know, I, mm. I held a lot of resentment towards my father. I held a lot of resentment towards my ex-wife. Um, I held a lot of resentment to a lot of. It it wasn't my fault. You know, that's the yeah. thing. It wasn't me. It was everybody else. Sure. And so. Taking and now? ownership for for how things have happened in my life, because I'm the common denominator here. You know, well, I'm you're the only one that can take. You're the perception. That's all. That's it. You are. You know, we can blame our fathers, but our fathers were our fathers. We have to ask the question. This is the key, right? This is the key. Every time that we get annoyed with someone outside of us, our wives, our partners, our bosses, our partner, our fathers, our mothers, anyone. All we have to do is simply say, why do I feel this way? Mm-hmm. That's Because that's the answer. And the why is about, why am I reacting? Why am I being triggered? Why am I, why, why, why? Rather than saying you, 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 you've got to say why. So I've got a little secret that I use, and it works, is that whenever we get annoyed with someone, I want you to imagine, so let's just use your dad as an example, right? Yep. So when your dad annoys the shit out of you, I want you to imagine that your dad's giving you this little box. And when you open the box, there's steamy, hot dog shit in it. Oh, nice. Right? Now, if you react to what your dad's doing, that means you're eating the shit. Yep. Yep. If you don't want to react, you need to give it back. Yeah. Right? Give it back. Because your dad's responsible for his behavior. You are responsible for how you see the behavior. Mm -hmm. If you're going to get annoyed, that's that's your fault. Yeah. That's that's not your dad's fault. Right. So, yeah. So that's a really big thing that people are learning nowadays. It's about how do we not take on other people's shit? Yeah, that's right. And that's one thing that I've learned through doing this podcast as well. I can't remember which episode it was, but I do believe it was one of the episodes with um, with, with a friend of mine, Shane, and he's he's a personal development coach. And one thing that he said, I think it may have been him. One thing that, that stood out to me is that Men tend to react and not respond, you know, and, and reaction is usually instantaneous. Nine times out of ten, it's negative. But if we, we take a situation and we respond to it, uh, that's when we tend to be able to handle things a bit better and adapt to that situation. Yeah. It's, it's, what he's saying there is just that we as men don't stop. No. We're not stopping to ask the question. And so we react, and you said earlier, we really react by our ego. Yep. Because our ego always is right, right? So if someone, you're at the pub, for example, and someone knocks you, 
and your ego says, fucking go, hit him. How dare he do that to you, right? I don't like the way he's looking or speaking. Our ego then reacts to the way that we respond. But if we stop, right, and listen to our values, our values are probably saying that you don't want to hit someone. No, that's right. Or that you're not an angry person, right? Yeah. That's what you've, your values knows you. Yeah. But our ego doesn't know us as well and makes us do things that are what you were saying before as well about being masculine about fitting into the mold we have to stop and just pay attention and ask why am i feeling this way is it because of my mates is it because i'm believing old methods that used to work is it because i'm not really exploring the the diversity of the world it, there's a number of answers to all that yeah definitely and that's why i think men's groups or these podcasts are really important what you're doing is really important because we need to expose different ideas and different thoughts and have these discussions because men don't necessarily like to talk about the truth all the time, no, right? Not. Women, women, again, it's an assumption here, but women, I think, can get together and they can, they can deal with all that. They can go and have a drink or a catch-up and they can talk about emotion, but men don't go into the, a pub or catch-up and say, hey, let's talk about your vulnerabilities. No, <laughs> let, you know, right. Let's just talk... <laughs> let's talk about what you're scared of right we don't do that and so we have to cope a, a lot harder on our own but these podcasts encourage us to think about things and talk about it as a group which that's is right which is great work that you're doing yeah no thank you and that's that's the reason why i did it as well is is so i can have these conversations so other men don't have to you know yeah. not not every man's going to be comfortable being being vulnerable and open and honest and, and, and bouncing ideas around like this. But, you know, just putting the content out there and if, if it resonates with them, maybe it'll, it'll just click that light bulb for them and they'll go, ah, okay, Beautiful. that's what I'm missing. Yeah, um, that's like seeds. That's all. We're planting seeds and it's up to each person. You know, you, like you said, you can't rescue or fix everyone. You can't be of service to everyone. What you can do is you're talking authentically by doing this podcast and then men then can take that seed and they have to plant and they have to develop their own sense of being through that. We can't, a lot of people get misunderstood and think that we're telling people what to do, but we're not. We just, I just look at us as people that are trying to inform men of different approaches. Yeah. yeah. Right. I can't force anyone listening to follow any of the things we've talked about. No, they have right. to, they have to do that themselves because they want to have a better life. You know, really men have been struggling for a long time. And again, going back to the very first thing I said, Three of my friends died in the same week because of they believe they couldn't cope, mm -hmm. and that breaks my heart. Yeah, because they, I they, know that those I know that those three guys could have coped if they asked for help. Yeah, that's right, and I, uh, that's that's I think a big reason why there is so much suicide within men is because one you on one hand you've got the depression which mm. tells you that uh, you know I'm alone. Nobody else cares. I don't want to be a burden on somebody else. And on the other hand, exacerbating that, we've got, I'm a man. I'm meant to be strong. I'm meant to be able to handle this by myself, but I'm failing and I don't want to show that weakness to somebody else. Yes. And we need to acknowledge, right, that what we've been doing hasn't, isn't working. No, that's right. Right. So I get what you're saying. But these just conversations make us realize that when we go into that depression, that's not working for us to go into that alone feeling. Uh, on Monday, right, so today is the uh, 7th of, of August. I know that you might not play this for a while. But on Monday last week, right, in Australia, Lifeline recorded the highest ever number of calls in Brisbane, Australia, ever. History. Yep. 1,757 calls in one day. Far out. So it means that we're still in trouble. Oh, definitely. I've, I've had a you friend know? of mine contact me several times this week and he's gone, man, I've just found out a friend of mine committed suicide. Uh, well, died by suicide. I don't like saying committed by uh, committed suicide because yeah. it sounds like it's a crime. Uh, yeah. But, you know. Uh, They'll took their own lives, yeah. Even just, even just um, today, I, I had that same friend message me and he goes, hey, man, I just found out I've lost another friend. And I'm yeah. like, fuck, I'm sorry, man. I feel so bad for you. Uh, because, you know, he, he lost his sister as well by suicide just just um, a year ago or so. And so it just it's it's this this thing that just keeps going and it's like yeah fuck, like, So we just we just yeah. have to pay attention to that and we just gotta start asking people around us 
even if they tell us that we're okay, even though, you know, what I would suggest is, you know, be a pain in the ass and just freaking call them every day. Be a pain in the ass and show up on their door. Yeah. I know it sounds it sounds invasive, but if you suspect that someone's not doing well, if you're noticing a change in someone, don't just think that they're fine. Mm. Just, you know, because the thing is, is that you, what you were saying earlier is 100%. We feel alone. But when someone is ringing you and when someone's rocking up on your door, that means that, you know, it opens up a space where they're not alone. Yeah. Because a lot of people don't have the energy to go and re- meet, to go into a group or to go and see a therapist. Yeah. So sometimes that very first step has to be us. Like when my mum passed away, the funny thing that I noticed, and that happened this year, is not one of my male friends rung me. Not one. Yeah. Cause they, and when I pulled them up on it later, they all said, oh, we didn't know what to say. We, we thought you wanted to be alone. I'm thinking, wow, this is like, how quickly was it that we can make assumptions that I wanted to be alone? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Right? Not one person actually tried to reach out. Now, for the girls in my life, I couldn't get enough food. Like, they were just yeah. delivering food. So, it's, and I said to them, look, next time this comes across your path, just maybe forget what you're thinking mm-hmm. and just... Do it. Just reach out. Yeah, that's right. Because I would have, I, you know, I was fine, but I would have loved to have had one of my mates just ring me. So well, it is, you know, I'm not complaining. All I'm saying, it's interesting that we easily can assume someone doesn't need help, especially if someone comes across as strong. You know, that to me, it's not a reason why they don't need help. Strong people also need help. No, that's right. That's exactly right. Well, Joe, look, this has been great today. Thank you for having a chat with me. Thanks for inviting me. I really enjoyed it. I know that you and I could talk probably for another three hours. but oh, easily, easily. <laughs> but I think it's opened up the would... conversation, eh? Yeah, definitely. For the guys that would like to sort of, um, you know, reach out, find your podcast, that sort of thing, where where can they find it? Yeah, I will send you all my links, and if you can, maybe attach it to your podcast. I'll definitely be in the podcast notes, yes. Yeah, like, so they can reach me on Facebook um, under the Secret Men's Business SMB TV. So we also have a TV channel on YouTube, which is under the same name. So we we do a lot of stuff on Facebook that has got to do with writing things and, you know, getting support. And then on on YouTube, we have segments. And the beauty of this is that, you know, I started this by myself, but now we have 22 volunteers. Oh, that's and awesome. so we have a gardener who talks about gardening to help you with depression. We have a cooking section. We have someone that talks about mental health. We have someone that talks about life coaching. We have someone that talks about music. So we don't want it just to be about being depressed. We want there to be opportunities for men to see that there are a lot of things you can do that can make you ha- happy. Yeah, well, you know, awesome. Yeah, so I'll give you all those links. And again, thank you for having me on the show. No problems. Keep in touch, my friend. All right, thank you so much. Bye, everyone. Thanks for listening to Not So Secret Dad's Business. If you have a topic you'd like covered or you just want to reach out to us, you can email us at notsosecretdadsbusiness at gmail.com or leave us a voice message at anchor.fm forward slash notsosecretdadsbusiness. If you want to follow us on social media, you can also follow us on Instagram at Not So Secret Dad's Business or on Facebook as well.